to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. We're into our 12th year. I can't believe it. Wow. Um, I love the show, and uh, I'd like to expand it sometime and bring in other hosts and I'd like to get involved in more young people hosting from around the world, enjoying it as a host for the power of water and water life science subject. And that's what this show is about. And you're probably wondering, because we bring scientists and scholars and physicians and individuals from all over the world into the show worldwide on subject matters of nutrition Sleeping, mental outlook, um, how you breathe, all that. What's that got to do with water? Well, what it is, is I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center. We incubate studies worldwide of the evaporation of understanding the behavior of every life on the planet, and especially human life, evaporation of water, the word water. Your body is made up of water, and you know that. And many of you forget how serious that is. The earth is living with it from the beginning. It couldn't breathe without water in the atmosphere from the beginning of all life at time for life to begin in the water. It all began that way. And it began to live that way as a planet and balance with the rest of the solar system because it had to pull that weight, that rhythm of life on the earth maturing, incubating with the future of living with the solar system. And that rhythm of movement was a new beginning of water. Life, people, human life in the mother's womb, in the pocket of water, is nurtured on purpose by nature. To be able to develop a life that would have a percentage of water per organism to leave that womb and come into the atmosphere. And that atmosphere then electrically charges like a battery. It is like a battery. That's how they learn to develop batteries. And electricity is learning how that all operates with an electric rod because of the water. Everything is water. I don't care what it is. It's water. When that baby comes, it's because the percentage of water per organ, let's pray per person, developed a percentage of water per organ. And then that baby comes out and is no longer nurtured into that water at that womb, at that pocket of water, and comes to live in the world, the atmosphere of water. If that atmosphere wasn't water, we'd all be dead. There'd be no life. That's how it all began. At that moment, your body 
begins an evaporation because you're not nurtured in that womb and that pocket of water any longer. So how you begin to live with that moment and at, at that moment, your eyelid opens. You're looking around and you're, you're, you're emotional. You probably are crying, held, thinking m- mentally, emotionally. Because you can't understand what's going on here. You're like a, you're like a sieve. All of a sudden, you're not around that pocket of water any longer. And oh my gosh, that was very comfortable for all those months. That's, that's, that was your comfort zone. All of a sudden, we have all that air of water. And the baby begins to evaporate. No two eyes alike. No two fingerprints alike. We even look a little bit of difference. We're all individually unique. Life begins. Now, when the baby goes home, is that baby getting a good enough health education from the beginning with the parents? I don't think so. I'm a little alarmed about that. Very alarmed by that. I think the parents should go to class before they take that baby home. Mandatory class. How to, how, how to raise the baby with health education. The baby has to learn how to breathe. The baby has to learn to drink water to replenish that, slow that evaporation down. The baby has to learn nutrition because of certain foods that might not agree with that life of that baby as you're watching it as it's growing from the, from the baby to the toddler to the other stages. Are they watching you as a baby to learn that? You've got to. You must. Then... Educate the baby along the way. Make it, make it fun. Make it a lot of fun. Like the Hell House is in a Health Olympics and training. Then we learn how to exercise. And we encourage children to play. We encourage the baby to play in their play pens, in their cribs. It's an encouragement. We want them to learn how to hear their voices. And when they cry, it's not, it's, not, it's not sad to cry if they're upset about going to sleep. There's nothing wrong with that. They get to hear themselves cry. They get to know themselves that way because they haven't learned to talk yet. And then there's sleep. The earth goes to sleep with the rest of the solar system. The baby should be taught how to go to sleep, not mind going to sleep. The baby could learn how to do that. We all need to learn. Drinking water is vital. 
when you get serious about drinking water, it's not sipping. I teach a lot of that. I've had people all over the world say they couldn't believe in the medical field. They never thought that way. You've got to learn to drink one whole glass at a time to absorb. Would you water your favorite plant or your garden, a drip or sprinkle? You've got to get an absorption. The, the body is absorbed with water. It needs an absorption to get through the body. It should be no less than eight to ten of those, but you can sip in between all your playful waters and have fun and be, be trendy to drink it. But when you're serious, you drink it one glass at a time. You pour your water into a glass and drink it. That's the serious stuff. And you start out when you first get out of bed in the morning because you didn't drink water for the last six hours or eight hours. You were asleep, hopefully, trying to sleep with the planet Earth to get your renewal. Slow down that evaporation. Think on better health, mental issues. But drinking water, I'll bet the world, if I sat in a doctor's office and a person came in with emotional problems and I'd say, did you ask them how much water they were drinking? Oh, I forgot. I forgot to ask them how much water they're drinking. In fact, the other day, if some of you remember, I was talking to a scientist on the show and I said, when was the last time He's a PhD. You went to the doctor, and the doctor told, asked you if you were drinking enough water. He said he doesn't remember the last time they did that. I said, isn't that, it's, that's sad. What's happened to all of us? It's like relying upon certain professional people that what you need from them. That's their expertise. I have my expertise. You have your expertise. Everybody is to be respected for their different expertises. But the doctor should be looking at you and asking you certain questions, but making sure priority, are you drinking enough water? Even if you're a healthy person, are you drinking enough water? That should be... The priority of all life on the planet. Are you drinking enough water? I was talking to somebody in Brazil the other day, and she's been in the medical field forever. And I'll bring up this ever so often. And I brought that up one glass at a time. And she says she started doing it and was shocked how it's working for her. She lost weight. She went to the doctor. The doctor said, my gosh, you're looking good. You feel better? And she said... I started drinking my more water, but I drank it by glass, not by sipping. She said, I'll sip in between all day long. I like that. But she said, when I'm, I'm drinking one whole glass at a time. And the doctor said, that was good advice. It makes sense. So think about it. Today, today we're going to have uh, Dr. Young... Chong on. 
from uh, Washington, D.C. Her background is just extraordinary. Uh, Her career spans across several professional backgrounds. She has worked with CDC, Children's Service, as a health data scientist for 22 years. She is also a wellness coach trained by Mayo Clinic, which is one of our favorite clinics out there in the world in research, and an instructor of Tai Chi and self-healing arts. Recently, she just retired from the federal government here in the United States to take on new challenges in building holistic and integrated healthcare services in the United States. The topic of her show that we're going to be working with her today is all about pain and is that timely from national data to personal experience. So don't go anywhere. Let's help all of us and learn something from her today. And let's see what we can do to assist the rest of the world in the Health Olympics. This should be a team effort, all of us helping each other. But we're going to listen to our sponsor first. Biologic Aqua Research Center, myself, the founders of Nature's Tears I Missed. Nature's Tears I Missed was, they came to me year, many, many years ago and said dry eye is going to be an epidemic out of control and leads to blindness. Is there something that you could do with that over-evaporation at the surface of the eye to slow that and supplement it with more natural benefit for people to use it all day long to, su- to supplement that over nature's water evaporation? So I came up with a tissue culture grade of water trade secret that would allow that supplementation with a mist, very safe, of 100% water to be sold in the medical field in the eye category in the drugstore department for the first time in history. When we launched it in the United States, it took off thousands and thousands of ophthalmologists, optometrists, and physicians drove into the stores, the drugstores, to start purchasing it. It was a huge market test of success. Now you can go on to Amazon and purchase it, and you can look out there on the web of where else it would be one of your favorite places. Walgreens, Cardinal Health, others are carrying it. You can go onto the web and find it. You can come to us at 1-800-F-O-R-M-I-S-T. See if there's any promotions going on. Nature's tears, I missed. 100% water to supplement the surface of the eye and the tear film over evaporation. Well, listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Chong. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of Pure All Natural Water. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Chong, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Well, Knight, thank you for joining us today. Thank Glad you for you having to- me. Take some time. I'm sure you have some focus today on certain things you want to tell our international audience uh, about and but first tell us about you where you're from as a child and what how you got into what you're doing and um, the vision you had and the ambition and what you've what you've been able to achieve okay uh, I actually was born and raised in China in the southeast portion of China called Anhui province and oh, okay. uh, I did go to Beijing for English literature, <laughs> no other, uh-huh. uh, at the Beijing University. After that, uh, like you, actually, I went to journalist school and became uh, a reporter for the National News Services. And in 1990, I uh, left the country, came to the United States to pursue my PhD degree. I studied uh, sociology and most of it it's the quantitative analysis. So as a very natural transition, mm-hmm. both my parents are working for the hospital. Actually, my mother was a OBGYN for 40 years. Uh, I thought, well, I didn't really want to become a doctor, but I'm very interested in public health. So I mm-hmm. pursued uh, what uh, is uh, understood as or what's best known as EIS officers. Epidemic Intelligence mm-hmm. Services at CDC. That's how I joined the CDC with two years of very rigorous trainings in field epidemiology. And after that, I uh, stayed on at the uh, National Center for Health Statistics, which is one of the centers of CDC. And in my 20-year mm-hmm. span, I did uh, quite a few different things. Some of them are the regular, traditional epidemiological research on women's issues, um, sleep aids use, uh, you name it. But also I have quite a bit of teaching uh, itch in my heart. So I helped uh, our center develop uh, online courses that teaches people how to use very complicated, large uh, national survey data. And the mm-hmm. last uh, five years of my career, I uh, actually was very inspired by a story that Bloomberg did. Uh, They used what is called data visualization tools to visualize all the numbers 
and they did a story uh, called How American Died. It was so compelling. Literally, it gripped me. I said, they used our data. They used the data out mostly produced by our center. Mm-hmm. How come their mm-hmm. report is so different from, from ours? You know, ours were mm-hmm. tables, rows and rows and rows of numbers. So I mm-hmm. volunteered to lead a team of uh, statisticians and IT and database specialists. I said, let's see if we can make our data more visual more interactive and more compelling. And we did, you know, 100 years of mortality data, how Americans died, uh, Americans died in the past 100 years, and then we figured out what, what oh, are the and major I'm gonna, I want to understand, I'm going to interrupt once in a while so I can help the audience keep up with you. Sure. Um, when you say how the Americans are dying, how Americans died, who, who, who died? Uh, how American died, meaning died of what kind of diseases, what are the oh, leading how many causes died. of it? Yes, okay. how many died and okay. also what's the numbers for different age okay. groups, for okay. men and women, and what are the different right. leading causes? Yeah, that's, that's the story, yeah. Okay, what were the symptoms of diseases that caused the... Exactly, the, causes, the, the leading causes to of die. disease. Okay. Correct, okay. correct. Yeah. And then in doing those kind of interactive visual reporting, uh, I did mm-hmm. come across the, uh, the opioids uh, overdose and the drug overdose. Mm-hmm. So we did. Now, in may our I effort, ask you, doctor, how long ago was that? Um, this was is, that uh, reported? All of that. I mean, is, all of it. Okay. This, the this is. Uh, Effort was from 2014 all the way until present time. And uh, if you go to the National Center for Health Statistics, you look for the data visualization gallery. All of those reports are still there. Yeah. And it gives you how the American, uh, not American, how individuals are um, systematically getting diseases and dying from those diseases. And then you touched into the opioid uh, uh, situation. Yes. Yes. And because you notice was... I just called that a situation because at the time <laughs> they weren't publicizing it like they are now. Correct. Correct. And there was a very interesting uh, story about that because years ago in 2009, we did publish a map of all the American counties. And then we showed that the differential rate of people dying from the drug overdose. And that mm-hmm. uh, table hasn't been, that map hasn't been updated for a while. So reporters have been knocking on our doors and say, what's your update on this? What's your update on this? So our mm-hmm. team actually got that project. We say, okay, from 2009, we haven't produced the, uh, the map for counties. And let's do that all the way to the mm-hmm. data available, which at the time mm-hmm. is 2013 because mm-hmm. we're doing it in 2014. And once we published that, literally in two hours, the New York Times picked it up and made it their headline news uh, of the drug overdose. What okay, kind of I'm scale and to, magnitude. Did you, did you, okay, did you know, um, I don't know if Rose told you, Hong, I, I've been in research for over 30 years. Hmm. 
Okay, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research. We study evaporation of the human body, water loss. Mm. Mm. And I started this radio show 20 years ago to discuss water and scientists mm-hmm. of the world coming in and Nobel Prize winners and scholars and people from all over the world that are studying. And, and we, the audience that we like to draw, people want to hear some of the latest findings and some breakthroughs and what's going on, what is, what is out there to study and what, what could they do to even think about it in their everyday life? I don't care if they're another physician or a PhD. And we have a lot of people that are in research listening to this show. But back to what I wanted to ask you. When you were doing your survey, did you study also the health education that was offered to assist individuals who that are mm. educated Mm. their health issues. Did you ever mm. see that? Uh, our particular uh, project didn't focus on that, and I tend to agree with you that the education is quite essential part of it, uh, especially of our health behaviors. And this project itself focused on actually the death reports from different states and then how the numbers change. You're going into hard data after the situation yeah. already yeah. happened. Now, Correct. I'm going to ask you another question. Mm-hmm. Way back in time, um, I, when I was in my 20s, I was on the State Board of Health here in Oregon. And because I'm a believer of education, health education. And the reason I believe it because when I was president of the American Cancer Society in my 20s, here, uh, we found a lot of the physicians on my team board and all were forgetting to practice at their practices, educating their patient on what they need to learn how to think about, do, and go home and try to practice that health education, not just be prescribing mm-hmm. and not just giving um, reports on the tests and things like that 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 mm-hmm. were given. Uh, mm-hmm. I found myself, doctor, thinking, huh, education is lacking here. And then I went down to study in schools. What happened? Because when we were in school, I'm 77. When I was in school, we had health education classes. And there was a lot. Mm-hmm. And what's a health education class? Or what is a doctor doing when he's giving you any education? Reminding somebody who maybe thinks they know it all but they forgot. Mm-hmm. There was something, oh, you know, I forgot about thinking about that. I should have remembered and mm-hmm. thought about that. Even you, mm-hmm. have you ever noticed yourself mm-hmm. with all your background and all that mm-hmm. you've done, that once in a while for yourself, personally, you think, oh, gosh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking yeah. that way, too, and adding that yeah. to your list, right? Or yeah. maybe you didn't Actually, notice your symptom because you're so busy. And da-da. So I noticed that in our country, and I'm not going to talk about the rest of the world, but in our country, several years, over 40 years ago, mm-hmm. the health education classes in the schools changed. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing I noticed when that baby goes home with a new parent, there's no really 
education going with it? Oh, lots of brochures to read, Mm -hmm. but how often Mm -hmm. have you been handed a brochure yourself and laid it out and Mm -hmm. forgot to ever read it? (laughs) There's no guide. And yet, yet we have a situation in the United States and the rest of the world, and unbelievable lack of education uh, for what these symptoms are about. And then we talk remission, but we don't talk cure. Have you noticed that? Yeah. What you have uh, talked about actually is exactly what I have been pondering for some of these uh, staggering numbers or interesting numbers I come across as as a researcher. For instance, yeah, for instance, the pain. The opioids, when the epidemic came across, and I did notice about 80% of the global opioid supply actually is consumed here in the U.S. And I said, well, are we experiencing more pain then? So I did some digging, and back in 2008, there was a team of international researchers. They used the same kind of method to measure the pain across 18 different countries, and then they age standardize it. That way you make the numbers comparable. You can com- truly compare between different countries who have different age structure, right? So what they come up with is the prevalence of experiencing the chronic pain in the United States. It's about 43%. And then they look across the countries of the 18 of them. They say, yeah, two countries came very close. One was uh, Italy. Uh, that was about 42.8%. One was friends, and that was about 48%, you know, experiencing the uh, uh, chronic pain in the population. But when they really looked at the, uh, how we deal with it, it looks like the difference really is shocking. Uh, for instance, the 2012 and 2014 uh, stats from the uh, United Nations, the standardized daily doses of opioids consumed per capita, it's about... 6,200 in Italy and about 8,700 in France. That's kind mm-hmm. of comparable to how many people are experiencing pain in their countries. But for the U.S., the, the daily standardized doses of the opioids used now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Dr. Chong, I'm going to ask you something to help my international audience listening. Mm-hmm. When we say you and I or anyone says mm-hmm. experiencing pain, now, uh-huh. is it pain because they just got out of an operation and they've got pain? Is it pain to where they broke their hip and they've got pain? You, you did they exactly spring right. an ankle and they yeah. did they have pain? Oh, did they have uh, at the dental office? The doctor had knows they were going to go home with some pain after uh-huh. uh, teeth extraction or something, and the pain. Yeah. They, uh, and they went home with pain. What kind of pain did you run into? When you were talking all about of these, all of these pains, you could literally using different ways to grouping them. For instance, what you okay. just mentioned, or acute pain, meaning you have okay. external trauma, you have an injury, or you just experienced the surgery, you just had a dental extraction. Now, you're tra- now let's stop you there with that word trauma. What did you mean by trauma and pain? How do they go together with you? Oh, trauma, for instance, you uh, went out to ride a bike, you flipped over, and then you injured yourself. That's a trauma to the body, right? So those are all acute situations, meaning the pain is coming, it's induced by external. 
uh, situation. You bruised okay. your knee, or maybe you bruised your knee, or you twisted your ankle, you may have sprang in there. Or you have a situation that was uncomfortable, and the doctor gives you something to deal yes. with the discomfort. Yes. Those okay, are there we go. A temporary, temporary the acute situation okay. or acute okay. situation impact. Okay. This one, they're okay. talking about chronic pain. For instance, you have a headache for months, years. You're okay, getting headaches. Now we're getting you have headaches. A knee pain. Yeah, migraines. Right. Yeah. yeah, you have a knee pain. It's not due to a recent surgery. Just after, long after the surgery, you still have the pain for years and uh-huh. years. Okay, so they okay. are studying the chronic pain. So chronic pain, uh, we have about 43% in the population reported that they, that they experience chronic pain. So Italy's about 43%, almost like ours. France about 47 But it's how they deal with it. So Italy have about 6,200. 6,000 or so uh, standardized uh, opioid consumption uh, per capita, mm-hmm. and France mm-hmm. has 87. But U.S. is 50,000. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we are about even experiencing chronic pain were similar to those two countries, and those are all Western European uh, developed countries more or less, right? And then uh, the, the way we react to it, we deal with it, whether individually or medical circle in, in, in collectively and make the situation that Americans consume 68 times more opioids. Okay, doctor, uh, we have to take our, own, we're going to take our, we're going to take our only break. This is the only one and don't, don't go anywhere and we're going to come back. All right. And, um, well, we're going to bring, I don't care if we have scientists and physicians listening to this show, which we do. And you and I are going to open up some thinking to approach here that with your background, it's just perfect. Okay. Don't you go anywhere. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Dry eye is out of control because the body is going through an enormous evaporation. The eyes at the surface are 99% water at the tear film. That's how you focus. That's how the electric rod of your of your eye lives with the atmosphere. And in the brain, the, the eyes and the brain in, in the womb, the brain and the eyes connect at the sec- same second. At the surface of the eye, your eye is 99% water facing the world every day if the eyelid is open. If the brain behind there, if you're not getting enough moisture and you're over evaporating, at the surface, and you start getting vision impairment to discomfort, to allergy symptoms, all the way to you may have to wear glasses because it's over dryness of the eye. And then the brain has to kick in because it's about 70% water to give you an overload to help you out. Nature's Tears Eye Mist was invented as 100% tissue culture creative water studied by universities, market tested by millions, and the market testing proved that Nature's Tears Eye Mist can supplement the surface of the eye for dry eye. It doesn't run the cosmetics if women are wearing mascara cosmetics. They, uh, you can use it all day long. You can even mist a baby. You, there's, you can't overuse it to assist everything you're now using. 
with Listen to Nature series I Missed with Jeff and Miss. And we'll be back with Dr. John. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Chong, thank you. I wanted to get, um, continue what you were saying because it's so valuable. And our listeners are people that are scholars, and we're kind of a show that uh, not everybody out there would probably be so fascinated with except people who want to learn more and be educated, want to hear what's being the latest research being done, what, what some of the discovery is going, where it's going and what they're pursuing. You were telling us about, we were talking about the opioid problem, which is very timely today because we're finding out in a couple of years how serious it is that people were Correct. ignoring and it's being brought out into the open now to right. where it, it's, it's a problem that needs to be solved. But we all have to do it together. It can't be, I call it the Health Olympics. It's a teamwork where right. everybody on the street and everybody in their home at the kitchen table and everybody in studying and research companies need to learn together. What is the weakness here? And then I had on my show from China a scientist who said they were going through all this addiction problem. That was his research mm-hmm. and his, his specialty. And I said, where in the world is the worst? And he said, the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 was I surprised? Because we're the... We're the, we're the ones that they can get it through borders so quickly and make other people so much money 
at bringing in all these drugs. Then we have what every country has. It's all companies prescribing, the physicians prescribing drugs. (laughs) But on top of that, they found out that uh, we do have a weakness going on with physicians over um, um, uh, uh, filling out these prescriptions. But then the illegal drugs became out of control because they're making so much money because Mm -hmm. borders are allowing it to come and go so freely. I can't believe it. I get shocked. I've often wondered, doctor, um, when they say uh, this human trafficking, how much of that is drug trafficking? When it's, when it's a sexual abuse trafficking, how much is, how much is drug? And with sex abuse trafficking, you and I both know that includes drugs. Of course. <laughs> Those girls wouldn't be doing it if they weren't being handed something to make things much easier. Or boys, kids. So what, where I'm coming from today is, and you were so good to agree, but the uh, opioid now, what were you learning about opioids out there with our own country that the doctors are prescribing? What did you learn at all that could be assisted by the family or the physicians themselves listening to you? What are the secrets? What are some of the knowledge of what to do not to keep prescribing them? Is there something else they can prescribe to wean the person off of the addiction when they see that it's obviously becoming addictive to that person? Before I go on just there, I need to let you know, I had a lung trouble uh, two years Mm -hmm. ago. I've always been held all my life. And the doctors mm-hmm. handed me when they were draining my lung and we were going through that. And uh, mm-hmm. they handed me some prescriptions. And I said, doctors, to the doctors, which one of these could become addictive? And they pointed mm-hmm. to two. And I said, mm-hmm. you take those back. Because, doctor, I wouldn't know if I could become addictive to it until I start taking mm-hmm. 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 And that might be too late for me and my mm. weakness. You'd never know no, because you. no two people evaporate water out of the body the same. And that's what addiction does, is you're over-evaporating mm-hmm. water loss mm-hmm. to severe dehydration in parts of the body. But mm-hmm. what have you been learning that the doctors could hear that could be helpful to them out there in the world? I would love to offer some personal view here and experience Okay. Here. Uh, what okay. you said is so illuminating is that uh, because now this overdose issue of the painkillers, uh, especially prescription painkillers, are in the forefront of our public health, I just want to make a disclaimer that uh, I'm not speaking in any official c- uh, capacity. I'm retired. I love the stats, so I happen to know the numbers and the severity of it. Um, and also, I'm not a physician myself, so I couldn't really speak very intimately about how, you know, from the profession, the prescribing habit, the education of the patients needs to change or not. But I think those, uh, they are the great people there, zooming, zooming, zoom, uh, zoning in and um, 
uh, studying the behavior and then making recommendations. So, so those are those great people's job. But I do want to offer some uh, um, unique cultural experience and perspectives because from where I come from, dealing with pain is quite different approach because the chemical way, as I understood, most of them would stop your um, stop the receptor or stop your way of experiencing feeling the pain. But uh, from the, the cultural uh, education and perspective we have, pain really is a signal telling you something is going on that you need to pay attention, especially some of the chronic pain. A headache, there are many different reasons that could cause a headache. Knee and the back pain, there are so many different reasons. Some of them could be mechanically say you get yourself realigned. Your structure is off. That's why it caused the pain. Some of them could be someplace gets so stiff, gets so cold, gets so blocked. So it's a soft tissue issue. And for that, um, our medicine actually would use acupuncture and acupressure and the specific methods of massage Mm -hmm. to open up the tissue to make them and not so stiff again and not blocked again. So mm-hmm. just in this part, we have all kinds of different ways, we, not to mention there are certain herbs that we believe, for instance, some of the knee pain and back pain are really because the degenerative ways of the organs that's going on. So Can, I say, something, can I say something there um, for a moment to bring up? And I noticed sure. you're in the Tai Chi and to bring up how people are also breathing. That's you another thing about our society. Exactly. We don't know how exactly. to breathe. Exactly. So there are many different ways other than just the chemical way to deal with the pain. That's number one I want to say. But some of these uh, so-called alternative ways haven't made it to the hospital after uh, surgery that people can have access to these means. And I can give you mm-hmm. a personal story that my mother uh, broke uh, her hip in April and it's a total femur bone broke off. And while she was waiting for the surgery, because she had to wait for the uh, blood thinning drug to, you know, get out of the system uh, before she could have the surgery, she was laying there totally motionless. And any slight movement would cause huge pain. And, of course, the doctors would offer the uh, prescription uh, pain medication. And my mother adamantly refused. It's not just uh, for fear of addiction, but she has a very sensitive uh, system. And any little bit taking of it would cause interesting (laughs) reactions. For instance, her mouth would get so dry, she literally couldn't speak. And her body would feel so numbed and so heavy, and she would lose sensation of it. And that feeling was so uncomfortable. She would rather lay there and just um, be very cautious moving her body rather than taking medication. And after surgery as well, they constantly asking, do you want medication? Do you want medication to help with the pain? And when she said no, they were quite puzzled. They said Usually, people would be asking for it because if they get to the point that's so much pain and it's very difficult for us to deal with it, so we must much rather nip it at the beginning of it. So when she said no, I literally have to have them written down on the chart every day before they 
they do the ship and say, my mother would prefer or would strongly prefer not to be given any kind of pain medication. So just uh-huh. from that, but we didn't, we didn't just let her do it in, uh, endure it in, in, in her good, you know, uh, good heart. We actually, uh, my sister and I would take turns not only using food, but we use the uh, massage. We know certain points to press mm-hmm. for her to help reduce the, the and of course uh, the breathing and breathing techniques correct and she also knows the visualization when the pain comes she said I duck inside and then go under the ocean let the wave go through and then she'll uh-huh. breathe so deeply and when she yeah. does that and because she is relaxed actually uh-huh. the pain actually is less uh, intense um, compared to if you're very irritated, you're very fear, fearful, and you're very stressed by it, that actually the body wouldn't produce those endorphins. It wouldn't produce those natural anti-pain kind of hormones inside you, right? right? So that's right. my limited understanding. Just by using those, she got through the whole thing with only one day when they did the, uh, did the actual operation, they gave her the uh, painkiller uh, in combination with it and the anesthesiology. Okay. So she got through it. Okay. She got through it without it. And then that was the doctors right. and the nurses consider her the absolute <laughs> outlier. <laughs> you don't even know what I mean. And then they, did they say, what planet are you from? <laughs> they, were like, they were like, you are not going to but put your unsatisfactory <laughs> report on the chart and telling people you're unhappy because you're in pain. We say, we swear we would have never say that in the afterwards for the hospital. And you know, we're, 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 we're giggling. We're giggling. But it's a fact. That works. It is. I understand that. And then I will because, say something um, to you, doctor, right now, too, before we're, because we don't have too much time, but love, but. Everything you touch should involve the executives of all insurance companies to know this. So they become better educated. They go out and educate. And they take on also in the Health Olympic team, education Mm -hmm. of health also. And the certain things that are alternatively available other than Mm -hmm. taking, popping a pill. Mm -hmm. The other one is... The uh, nutrition diet. I've had people when when I have a little bit of pain, I say, I wonder what I ate that day or the day before that was causing mm-hmm. that nerve ending to react. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. nerve endings in our body are electric rods, mm-hmm. well, yeah. not really yeah. studied yeah. the way they should be. And then, and then you change you that are, diet moderately. You are and you absolutely don't have right. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and then you don't have to time. pop pills. Yeah. Correct. During that time, we did use, for instance, our traditional medicine would tell us because she broke the bone. We did a lot mm-hmm. of a bone soup with extra uh, vegetables that would make the calcium absorption uh, quite uh, mm-hmm. uh, efficient mm-hmm. and obedient. We also give her certain herbs that would uh, reduce the swollen swollenness and uh, um, Right. The natural, there are the natural uh, endorphin uh, stimulators in foods, mm-hmm. and of course we have. Um, I uh, happen to know a very, very good osteo um, osteopath, a doctor who can literally just 
by using her hands along your spine and then check the hip and knows where due to the surgery, due to the fall, that mm-hmm. you could have uh, misalignment as well. So there are mm-hmm. all kinds of ways that we dealt with it. I wouldn't want to say my mom was extremely heroic or brave or she purposefully, you know, refused it, but rather her body couldn't really tolerate the painkiller so so well. So we had to. We had to find alternative means. But luckily to us for, for, luckily for us, alternative was our traditional medicine. That's you know? I was so gonna say how lucky that is. We knew now we've only yeah. got a couple yeah. of moments left. What would you like to say to the audience? And I'd like to have you on again because you and I are on the mm-hmm. same wavelength. <laughs> same path, but, same path. I but, want to um, say that... What that, would you like to say? That I want to say whatever our body needs, I think nature, this planet, is private, providing for it. We just need to be mindful to look for the things that work for you the best. And second thing and I listen, want to say, listen to your body. Pain. Listen, listen, to listen it. to your body because listen. pain exactly yeah. is not just a nagging, uh, annoying, a noise, but rather right. it is a signal God, to tell you, take care of me. Yes, yeah, so right. That's it. Exactly. Thank you. Can so we do this again sometime? Did you say you slowed down a little bit? Maybe we could do it again sometime. Okay. Can you come on again? <laughs> Sure, someday. Sure. Be happy to, be happy to. <laughs> okay, well, you have a nice day back there, and uh, I bet you guys are looking forward to not such humidity. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You have a nice day. You Thank too. you. You too. Bye. Well, audience, the earth does whisper to us, and the thing is is you've got to learn to listen. And reach out away from self, of yourself, and live with the with the rest of the world out there. You won't be so emotional. You won't be trying to kill the pain. You'll be be trying to explore what Earth is whispering for you to learn. And put all those children out there in your heart, in your hands. There's no such thing as an imperfect child. Let's look at the children. Wouldn't it be exciting that we start getting some students on here to be health education with us? You have a nice day. And listen to that whisper of Earth's message. Bye. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.